Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for. A podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done-for-you B2B podcast production. All right, I hit the button. I hit the button. This has begun. The adventure It's underway, and we can't turn it back. We can't turn back the hands of time. So let me introduce my guest today. I We've already had an, a podcast worth of conversation already that you didn't get to hear. So we thought maybe we'll hit record so you can hear this part. Um, man, what a great, great guy. I can't wait to talk more about this thing that we all love, podcasting with him. Who is he, Casey? Enough about your feelings, more about the guest. He is an <laughs> entrepreneur, a writer, a creator, a marketing leader, a thought leader. He has a PhD in philosophy and English literature. Let's go. He's been podcasting since 2017, host of the B2B content show and the pod shop, founder and CEO of Conversa, Jeremy Shear. Welcome, sir. Well, thank you so much. And what a wonderful introduction. Uh, I just want to correct one thing. I, I'm not a marketing leader. I mean, I would never describe myself that way just because, you know, I, I interview mark like real marketing leaders on the B2B content show so I can learn about marketing. Totally. But you know, I would I am I would never call myself that. Although it's it's very flattering that that you said that, but out of just respect to all the people I've interviewed on that show, <laughs> they're the marketing leaders. I'm just learning from them. That's all. Uh man, I, I feel the same way about everyone I talk to on this show and even on my marketing podcast. It, it's amazing the people we get to ch- a chance to talk to and learn from um yeah, yeah there, there's some real wizards out there for sure I, I i don't know if you do this but i call myself like a caveman with a hammer you know <laughs> I like, <laughs> i'm not okay. even good with I hammers like you know i'm the one hitting my thumb <laughs> with it so right. well hey let me get to this first question i can't wait to to dive into your your thoughts and your answer on this yeah. jeremy pull back the curtain for us on your show and share your most important strategy for a great interview podcast. Okay. So, well, maybe let me tell you about, about the show just a little bit, just to give a little context, because sure. I think, you know, every show is a little bit different, right? And what constitutes a great interview will depend at least partly on what the show is about, you know? So the B2B content show like that, you mentioned this other show I have called The Pod Shop, but the main one I do and the one that's been going longest is called The B2B Content Show, all about B2B content marketing. And uh, where, where, as I mentioned just before, I'm interviewing marketing leaders, you know, heads of content, VPs of marketing, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so this is also a case where, as I just said, I'm, you know, sort of the amateur. I am not a marketing leader, you know? And yeah. so as the, the host of the show, that's kind of how I position myself. Like I'm learning from you and I'm hoping that our audience will too. And and I'm I'm saying all this because I think that that matters in terms of the quality of the show and the quality of the interviews I do. So I think that one really well, obviously one super important element of any interview show and what's going to kind of make or break it. I mean, it, it's it's honestly hard to to pinpoint it down to just one thing, but I'll sure. I'll do my best. So um, I know unfortunately gunpoint to do that. Yeah, right. Virtual gunpoint, <laughs> right? So. Um, I mean, one is 
one major factor is the host and how good the host is at doing the interview. Uh, and I think in order to do that, the host is has to understand their own limitations and kind of the perspective that they're coming from. Because if you don't, they, like if, if the host doesn't have a clear understanding of that, I think it's just, it's hard to develop the right kind of rapport with the guest and do an interview that actually just turns into like a free-flowing conversation, you know, and, and less of a series of questions that are answered. And, and I find that, you know, be, becoming a good host, like the art of the interview, it's something that you learn over time with practice. And I think every podcast host will admit if pushed enough that, you know, they used to kind of suck at it and now they've gotten better if they've kept up with it. And when you listen back to some of your earlier episodes, <laughs> yeah, you're like, wow, I've come a long way or, you know, I'm just much better at this. And the episodes sound a lot better because I've learned, you know, the, t the trips, the, t the, sorry, the tricks and the techniques mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Um, so I think that's one key, you know, if, if it's you, it's your show then you need to get it, dedicate yourself to learning the art and science of how to interview people. And if you're producing a show, say for someone else, like we do at Conversa for a company or whatever, then you need to pay quite a bit of attention to who's the host going to be. What kind of training and coaching do they need? You know, where are they starting from? If they're starting from zero, what kind of natural abilities do they have and what do we need to improve on? Right. And I think you can't, I mean, in a way that's just, of course, pretty obvious, but I think you, it, it's, you can't really talk about it too much. The, the quality of a host can just make or break an interview show. When really focusing on the, I mean, it's like the quarterback, right? To throw in a random sports analogy. Yeah. My beloved Patriots did so well. And then Tom Brady goes to Florida and then <laughs> We're, I don't even know what we're, I don't even watch the games lately. So sometimes there are pivotal roles. And in this case, by its very nature, the host is that role. I heard you say something. Uh, the host needs to have some sort of sense of where the guest is coming from. What did you mean by that? So the, the guest's point of view. Point of view. Yeah. You know, I think is the best way to, to put it. Um, and I think the the host has to have a clear understanding of their own point of view too. Mm. You know, I think one of the 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 keys to success of any podcast, including an interview show, is that it needs to have a strong point of view. You know, there are so many shows that are just kind of two people talking about stuff. You know, or if it's a B two B podcast, two people discussing important trends in the industry, okay. which is fine. But I think the best shows, what makes them stand out, one thing that makes them stand out is that they have a very distinct point of view. Mm. You know, the show I, itself it, or the host does or both? The well, both, because I think they're those are kind of inseparable. You know, as the host, you you're the one articulating that point of view and kind of embodying it, but yeah. that your whole show is built around a particular take on whatever your show is about, right? Yeah. And then the great content comes when you bring on guests that 
they might align with that point of view, or sometimes even better, they might not. They were going to bring in a different point of view that's not not necessarily opposed to the point of view of the show, like, you know, directly opposed, but it's different enough that you're kind of chopping it up and not always just agreeing. You know, the exchanges are not always like, oh, that's so true. That's a great point. It might be like, well, let me push back on that a little bit. You know, what, what about this? Or you said this, how do you know that it's, I I think that's where some of the drama and tension can come in an interview show. Um, So cool. And, and so Another element here that I think is really important. So number one is having just the best host that you can have or whoever the host is having that person dedicated to improving episode by episode. And then the other, uh, another important element is doing prep calls with guests. I'm a big advocate for that. And there was a, a post on LinkedIn just yesterday about this not not my post some someone else who i don't know but i participated in the conversation and the the question was kind of like you know do you do prep calls or not are they important or you know and and this person's point was they're kind of peeved when instead of a proper prep call like we like you and i did for like this did, for yeah. this episode right yeah. it's you someone just sends you like uh like a Google form with a bunch of questions that you mm. have to fill out. The form's you know? worse than a PDF, right? At least a PDF is like, but, but a form, come fill out my form and be on my show. Ooh. Yeah, it's like, here's some extra work for you to do. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. just like a chore. Right. As opposed right. to the prep call, which you're getting to talk to a real person and have a real conversation. And if, again, if, and it should be the host doing the prep call. And if the host is good at, it that and there's I, I think there's a whole kind of art and science to doing the prep call as well but again it should be friendly relaxed you're trying to build rapport you you know you'll often kind of start talking about the topic and even getting into it in the way that you're going to in the actual uh in the actual interview although i think part of the job of the host there is to not go too far down that road you don't want to you know shoot all your bullets in the prep call oh yeah but to what i really value about these about prepping with a guest is you come in you know maybe with some idea of what you want to talk about or not you know often i don't i'm like i i want to let's let's discuss ideas but the whole point is whether you have some starting idea or not to once you do have some idea which is usually fairly broad to explore with the guest what what's the beating heart of this topic what are the main things that we want to hit? And that's going to really depend. You could bring in, you know, for if you had like three different guests lined up, they might all have kind of different ways of answering that, different things that they want to focus on, which is good. That means, you know, you could, in in my podcast, the B2B Content Show, we've done multiple episodes on kind of the same topic, roughly, but they're all very different because we're focusing on different things or the the particular guest has a particular take on it, right? A particular point of view on it. And so I want to learn what that point of view is. And then when we actually go to record the interview, I've written questions that align with that point of view, that take that into consideration. And I feel prepared as the host to kind of guide and shape the discussion in a way that's going to be the most relevant to the audience, that's Mm -hmm. going to get right to the heart of the most 
interesting, engaging part of this topic. And so it's going to be efficient in that way, you know, while all at the same time, allowing the conversation to take interesting twists and turns that I didn't anticipate. But at least I'm starting from somewhere very solid. And that way, another as a host, and I think this is another crucial skill that a host has needs to develop is no matter how much you plan, you know, during that prep call, when you actually hit record, you're never quite exactly sure how the conversation is going to unspool, right? And a host has to be good at listening on different levels. On the one hand, just listening on the most straightforward level, just what is the guest basically saying? And, you know, so you can be prepared to respond to it and ask follow-up questions, but also listening for, are we kind of sticking to what we had planned to say or hmm, the, the guest seems to be going off on a bit of a tangent here. That's yeah. interesting. And it's your job as the host in real time to kind of make the call like, okay, do I need to reorient this back to what we had discussed? Or is this tangent actually even more interesting than what, what we discussed? And I'm we're going to roll with it and kind of yeah. let it go as you're listening to the person talk. Yeah, you know, so you have to be thinking about that on the one hand, while you're also processing just what they're saying to you. On the other hand, so you have to keep this all in your head as it's happening in real time, and then make those judgment calls throughout the course of the interview. Yeah, I think that's another you know crucial skill for a host to have because at that point the guest is just talking. You know, they're in the flow. Yeah, they're, they they probably don't even realize that they're going off on what you're considering a tangent, but maybe it's maybe it's a fruitful tangent or maybe not right and th this is so cool and this is what i like about this show is it's so meta right not to be confused with facebook and armless <laughs> right. uh, emojis running around a virtual <laughs> universe uh so we actually had this exact thing happen that you're describing just now with us so we were chatting about the ideal hosts and the distinct point of view and agreeing. And there's some things I'm going to circle back to at some point because I, I want to dive yeah. into that. And then came up the topic of prep calls. And then in my mind, it was, man, I really want to talk about disagreeing with your guests. I wanted these other things that, but you know what? You were on a roll and you were really, yeah. you were really explaining some good stuff. You know, don't want to show the bullets in prep call, how important it is. Um, and I agree with you. Prep call is like vital. It is the thing. And so I want, wanted to hear your topic and take on that. So, so I, I let us just run with it. And what was great is because I did that, we're able to have this real example. And then you were able to talk about how a host needs to allow that to happen. And, and because I was able to allow that to happen, you were able to make a teaching moment. And then we were able to make this whole thing meta. There, there you go, which you know, is a like, testament. Wow. Yeah, which is a testament to your skill as a podcast host. Oh, cool. Well, thank you. But, uh, <laughs> no, but <laughs> you I love that it all happened you know, in real time. So we can demonstrate Right, you know, on a show just as much as, uh, it, so talk to me about cor corralling. Let's do corral, you know, corralling your guest back on topic if maybe yeah. they, they went off into like frozen yogurt land. Um, <laughs> but then after that, let's talk about disagreeing. Okay, sure. So corralling, so corralling, uh, yeah, a, a yeah, guest, yeah. Whoosh, right, kind of like, yeah, right, them and bringing them back. I think that you know, I think for less experienced podcast host or any kind of interviewer, this can be an uncomfortable thing. Yeah. 
especially if the guest is someone like you admire or, you know, someone who's like a big deal, in, at least in your mind. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think there are different ways to do this. So one is if the guest is often a bit of a tangent, let it play out. And then, you know, one simple technique is to be like, wow, like that's, that's really, really interesting. But I want to circle back to, to, you know, sort of something we were talking about before. That's a simple way to kind of cut that tangent off, essentially. Like, okay, we're done talking about that now. Let's go back to our the main thing that we actually are talking about. Right. And, you know, just to to kind of do it in that really straightforward way. Um, I mean, I've done interviews before where, and this isn't exactly going off on a tangent, although it could be, but it's a slightly different problem that also <laughs> requires corralling the guest. Yeah, please. When a guest just won't stop talking. Oh yeah, you, you know? had those. Oh yeah, I mean oh, wait, you that's not all... you, by the way. <laughs> uh, well, okay, but but I mean, if, <laughs> that'd be funny if, though. If like, it, that's happening right if it now. It turns yeah. out that that is me, and at some point during this interview, I'm just blabbing on and on. <laughs> you might feel the need at some point to a little bit jump in and be like, "Hey, can I jump in for a second here? You said something I want to, you know." That's another thing you have to be able to do as a host is you sometimes get guests that are just talkers. I've had interviews where people start talking before I've even asked a single question or even introduced them. Yeah. They just, as soon as we hit record, they're just off and running. I'm like, whoa, okay. They just have a lot to say. And again, you, as the host, you kind of have to judge when is, might be a good time for me to jump in here Yeah, because this is now going on a bit too long. Like, you know, we've desig we we've designated an hour for the interview, let's say, or a half hour. And I have, you know, about five questions or whatever I want to get to. We're on question one and we're 12 minutes in. Yeah. You know, you're also looking at the clock and you're like, okay, I <laughs> I we I need to jump in here a little bit and kind of so what I do, and it it's pretty rare that this happens, but when I do, I just I wait for a little bit of a pause. Maybe the person's just taking a breath. <laughs> yeah, right. And you just have to kind of politely interrupt them yeah. and jump in and be like, hey, can I, you know, can I, I just want to jump in here for a second. All this is super interesting. Um, I want to go back to something else you said. And then in that way, kind of reorient things. Because for sure, the guest is not aware of what they're doing. They're not aware that they're going on and on and on in a way that needs to be corralled. Yeah, they're not going to magically realize that you, as the host, have to have to do something about it. I love that we're yeah. talking about this, right? This is like the the real side of podcasting, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's fluff and there's all these other things to talk. Hey, how great it is! But there's some just real personal challenges where you need to, you know, politely interrupt somebody because they're being a blabbermouth. And I will say one of the things that you don't want to do, you you do need to do that at some point. And and I have made the mistake of not doing that and then mm -hmm. let them talk for it would feels like 20 minutes. Right. And, and, and the worst thing that could happen is I like, I checked out. Right. And I, and I was like, right. maybe I can check my email or something. <laughs> like clearly I'm not involved in this conversation, so I'll just let yeah. them go. And it's like, ah, that's the worst thing to do is to, to abdicate control of the show and, and yeah. let them take like jump in it's your show you your responsibility to get in there and fix things yeah it's a 
it's sort of a, a, a delicate calculus. You know what I mean? Like yeah. on the one hand, you want the conversations typically to be unscripted, free flowing. You don't yeah. want to put in place too many parameters that narrow that that make the guest feel self-conscious right? right or like kind of too too you know that you've too narrowly defined the parameters because you want some of those tangents like we were saying before can be really good and fruitful yeah but on the other hand you still want the final product to to be coherent cohesive have a kind of through line so it's not just all over the place you know i've produced episodes um for people where I'm th- I'm thinking of one instance in particular, of course, I won't name names where right from the start, I could kind of tell, and I was just like producing, not, you know, it was somebody else was the host. They started in one place, but they just went all over and it was long. It was like a 45 minute interview and it came out and I was like, they touched on like eight different topics that are all kind of kind of loosely related, but it was just too much. You know, it it, mm-hmm. it was just it wasn't coherent in the way that I prefer interviews to be that I think interviews are at their best. And again, it's your job as the host to make that happen. It's your yeah. fault if it doesn't. It's right. not the guest's fault. No matter how well you've pre- you've prepared them, they're going to do what they're going to do. And you have to find ways to while allowing it to be free form and flowing and all that stuff at the same time to be subtly shaping it mm-hmm. and reining stuff in just enough to give it that coherence without killing the, you know, the spontaneity of it. Right. Right. And I mean, you owe it to the guests too. I think half of us don't want to offend them, but it's almost more offensive to let them be a, a lesser version of themselves than to interrupt and bring out the best in them. So really dive in there and get after it. Um, and, and so I'd love to transition to when you talk about disagreeing and having that strong point of view. Yeah. Um, I remember an experience where I was starting to have that same kind of like mental checkout. Like this isn't a dialogue. This is a person throwing something at me. And then yeah. they mentioned something in the marketing world where they said, I think you should put up, I think you should get rid of all your forms in front of your content. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm a big marketing automation guy and Maybe this we'll have to like dot 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 this topic and to the marketing show, but um, I actually feel the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like content the hell out of it, or form the hell out of it, but don't make them giant forms. Make them these little tiny little things you barely yeah. even notice. Your browser fills it out for you anyways, right? Like make them very small and efficient is my take. The he to take, I to take, and it it reinvigorated me, and I yeah. was suddenly interested in it again and we had a little back and forth it was friendly and i think i might have convinced him you know it, it was good though and i feel right. like you know, to your point about have a point of view but talk to me about how you disagree with your guest and 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 you don't make it like a show where it's like a cnn where you're like pouncing on someone oh you're a loser and actually you're wrong and here's what it really is how do you yeah. do that the right way yeah great question so well first of all I think you just described very nicely what not to do. You're, it's you're not you're you're not <laughs> you're you're not trying to get people like you're you're not asking yeah. gotcha questions that they're not prepared for or that put them in a very awkward position, right? That's right. just going to destroy whatever relationship you've built. And it's just uncomfortable, you know. And and I think we've all seen enough of that on, you know, in the media to 
to have grown very tired of that kind of thing because it doesn't result in good content often. Yeah. It's just contentious, but you don't really learn anything. It it turns into an argument rather than a discussion, right? Yeah. I think the key to to disagreeing or or like having a real discussion from different points of view, like your example about should you gate content or not, right? Yeah. That's a great topic. And there are plenty of valid opinions on all sides of that debate, right? So I think number one, the key is it needs to be organic. This shouldn't be something that's forced, like you're you're deliberately taking an extreme point of view in order to disagree with the guest or something right. like that. You know, I think that it needs to be organic. On the other hand, you might play devil's advocate, but as long as you own it, be like, you know, playing devil's advocate here for a second. Let me push back on that thing that you said, I you like know, that. but I think it's best when, when it's organic and you really do say like, well, I have a different way of looking at that. And I think the, the as long as you keep it, well, I want in, in one way, I want to say polite, but that's not exactly the word. Um, you want to keep it non-contentious, you know, keep it from, from getting into an actual argument where you're like, you're trying to win, you know, your, your goal there is you're not trying to win an argument. You're not necessarily trying to persuade the other person that you're right and they're wrong. That's an argument, yeah. right? A discussion where you're, where you disagree, that's where you're. I think actually that's kind of conversation at its best. That's interview at its best. That's when both parties are open to exploring an idea together, batting it around, considering the other person's point of view. Yeah. And and legitimately challenging their point of view in in, in a, um in a respectful and thoughtful way. Yeah. So in other words, not just attacking them, you know, personally, or not just saying like, well, that's stupid or like making it super political or something, but saying, but like questioning their premise, their premises, you know, or just yeah. asking, well, well, why do you think that, you know, do you, how, do, is there evidence to back up that point of view? And then responding to what they say, you know, asking reasonable questions, sort of poking at an idea in a reasonable, intelligent way. And then sometimes just agreeing to disagree. Yep. You know, again, your point is not to win and like crush your opponent into submission. It's to bat around the idea where we're hopefully at the end where you're genuinely curious why the other person thinks the way that they do with the goal of maybe learning something from them. Maybe it'll change how you think a little bit. Maybe you'll change how they think a little bit. But at the end of the day, ideally, both parties have learned something have enjoyed the the back and forth and the process of trading ideas and sort of, you know, questioning each other a little bit to pushing a little bit like, you know, what, well, why do you think that? Can you explain yeah. your reasoning? That's legit. That's, that's good. That's not gotcha. Mm -hmm. That's just asking a legitimate why question, you know? So that, that's how I go about it. Love that. Um, I feel like if we could do more of that, well, to your point, though, it has to be organic, right? I, I think whenever you get you add in those, I'm going to disagree with you on purpose. I mean, straw mans are interesting, but but you know, that doesn't happen that often. I I think you and I might tie that all back into a good prep call. It's finding out, oh, 
I'm going to disagree yeah. with you on this. And then you both know it. Um, and then you're both ready. Yeah, exactly. Like um, when I'm doing a prep call, if, if, especially if we don't already have a topic set, sometimes I'll ask the guest, you know, like what's something in the world of B2B content marketing that you disagree with, you know, or that you have a contrary take on. And sometimes they'll be like, oh, well, yeah, like, you know, we'll sort of deliberately choose a topic that that there's a debate about. And then that way we can get into that. And and even if I might have a very similar point of view to the guest, again, you can play devil's advocate a little bit and say like, well, you know, I've on LinkedIn, there are plenty of people arguing something different. They're, mm -hmm. they're saying, actually, it should be this way. What do you think about that? And you know, that's where I think you get the sparks start to fly a little bit and, and you're getting into, and that's part of what creates good content. I think. Are you creating these questions, all of them from scratch on a prep call? How much is scripted? How much is the same show to show? How much is different? You mean in terms of the, the prep call itself? Oh, just, in, I guess even your, your show format, do you, do you have use a lot of the same questions Ah, almost I see all um, of them unscripted. Yeah, good question. So, I, I, I do not use the same questions. I, I start basically fresh with each episode, and I base it pretty much entirely on the prep call and you know the other research maybe that I've done. Um, there's some overlap from topic to topic. You know, similar yeah. kinds of questions, right? But the details, specifically what the questions are about, are is unique, mm -hmm. um, because each interview is is unique. You know, of course, there are other ways to do this. Another format be, might be to ask the same set of questions to each person, which can work very well. You know, that right. way you can sort of build up a body of episodes where you get all kinds of different takes or points of view responding to the same set of questions and can be interesting for research purposes too. Right. Right. Good um, for content. Good. For yeah, content. it can't, it definitely can be. Um, I think that's a totally legitimate way to go about it. I, I don't do that. Um, it just feels more natural to me to have a unique conversation each time that I'm, I'm trying to peg the questions to what the guest is most interested in and seems to, to be most passionate about. Yeah, you're kind of listening for those little moments, either on the prep or even on the show, for those little. Oh, that's that's interesting. We're gonna we're gonna go down that path. We got to hear that, right? And and well, and that's another thing that hosts need to do, right? You need to be listening for, like I was saying before, for tangents and should we go there or not? But but you're raising another good point. You know, you just have to be listening for moments that you know through your experience as a host that like ah, that's really interesting. I'm going to dig more into that, even if that wasn't the next question on your list, you right. know, or you didn't, it's only coming up now and you didn't think about it before to be able to judge in real time. Let's pursue that point more because that's, that's a unique way of thinking about that thing, you know, and, and yeah. to drill down on it. Definitely. Because I've gotten more experienced. I've used the standard questions less and less. Like on the marketing show, I have, maybe four or five that I always ask as almost like a framework to the house. And then in between is, you know, is yeah. me just winging it and having fun and doing follow-up questions. And but for this show, I guess maybe it's because I've developed it from the last show, this show, it's like that first question, 
you know, we, we started out and behind the scenes, like I have a list up here of like 20 questions that, yeah, yeah we reviewed a few of them together on the prep, but you know, may not even get to if sure. these follow-ups all just dance around. Well, I, and, and I think that's another element to what makes for a good inter- interview show is as the host, not feeling like you have to get to every question. Oh, yeah. Right. And and I think starting <laughs> out, like when you're less experienced, you you could, you know, reasonably think that like, well, I have 10 questions here and we need to get to them because that's what this yeah. is about. And you just, you know, it can cause a lot of anxiety and you and you you can and you might end up then with an episode where you, you get like very short clipped answers to the 10. And so, yeah, you've covered those 10, but you didn't really drill down on anything. And it's more of a surface level sort of survey type content yeah. than it is going deeper and really uncovering some new stuff. And I think you learn as a host, the more you go on that if you have a long list of questions, you, you know, we're not going to get to all of these in the time allotted, you know, right. and that's fine. Or you learn to just keep it to like five questions or however many, you know, you can reasonably get to in the allotted time. And you just, you know, even though there are many other questions you could ask, you learn to like, well, that could be for another episode. You know, yeah. that's okay. Great. I'm going to keep it. I try to keep things very, when I'm hosting a show to keep it very simple and minimal on my end, I want to try to, and, and again, goes back to the prep call to try to hone in on like, what are the top three or four most important or interesting things that we want to hit and really try to hone in on those with the questions. So I might only have three or four questions that I want to ask. Yeah, that makes, makes a lot of sense. And I think different people's style, some people love the planning, you know, some people love the adapting, just bring it, just bring it. Yeah. And we need to be able to cater to guests from all walks of life. The ones that, yeah. would, nah, that's why I don't need to prep. I just want to do you, on that note. Do you allow people to skip your prep? Um, that's a really good question. It's actually never come up, believe it really? or not. I have not had a single guest who refused to do the prep call. Um, if By the way, I can happen. introduce you to a couple that might be great guests on your show. They <laughs> okay. will absolutely refuse. And I'd love to see the, the thread yeah. in the email of what, what, what do you think you would say to them? Yeah. Right. So if, if, if that were to happen, um, I mean, I think I would just roll with it and be like, okay, I would never force anyone to, to do a <laughs> prep call. I think I would try to find an alternative, you know, okay. because the, I mean, the only way that would be completely okay for me is if we have the topic locked in place and maybe I was able to do enough research to kind of get the gist of what this, where this person is coming from, you know, where the guest is coming from. Maybe they've done other, they've talked about this on other podcasts or in other, you know, formats. So I'll check that out and at least have some place to start from without talking to that, to them about it. Or I might say like, okay, we don't have to do a prep call, but you know, how about we just do this by email? Like I'll send you a few just quick things. And if you can just respond, even just a few lines to orient me. You know, um, it's hard. I, I don't think I would be okay with just absolute blind, just show up and let's just talk about some stuff and I'll hit record because I feel like that's going to be a waste of my time. 
most likely, and ultimately a waste of the guest time because the episode's not going to be very good. Mm -hmm. So I think I would most likely gently push back a little bit and at the very least say, can we do a quick email exchange? And if they even refuse that, I guess I guess I would have to make a judgment call then. And and it might come down to a case by case, like, well, then we're just not going to do this. If you can't spare, you know, 15 minutes for a quick prep call or two minutes for a quick email exchange, then I'm not sure how interested you are really in doing this with me and creating this good content, you know? Yeah. I feel like it t- tends to happen with either more seasoned speakers, more famous people, or people who think, you said this really well, who are, are famous in your eyes or famous in their eyes, right? Yeah, like, right. Who feel like they might be. I had a former boss of mine, people go check out LinkedIn <laughs> and try to figure it out. He was like a thought leader and I wanted to have him on the marketing show. And he said like, no to the prep call. For me, I just want to kind of catch up too. And yeah. I mean, you're that busy that you can't do that. And so we actually said, well, let's do it another time then. You know, I just, right. other people I've, like for this show, I, it's at meta. So I, I, okay, great. Don't show up with no prep and let's just see what happens. And then, the, and we actually talked about it. And Natasha Miller, she was actually fantastic. Mm-hmm. But we talked about how she like flat out refused to do a prep. Um, and, and we talked through it. But I, I feel like just like with forms, there are bad prep calls. And then there are the prep calls that you and I did and then you do with your guests. And I think a lot of people have that in their mind, the bad ones, which is why they're like, I'm not going to show up for your half hour hangout sesh. Right, right. And, and you know, look, fair enough. I, when, when you reach out and ask someone to be a guest on your show, assuming that you're not paying them, right, they are doing you a favor. They are giving you their time. You know, they could just as easily refuse. And so you really want to make everything as efficient as possible and not waste their time. And so I can understand why some people just might be like, "I look, I'll, I'll give you my time for the show. I just don't, I can't, you know, I can't do the prep call, all that. Yeah. I, th- I think maybe the only situation where I'd be 100% okay with that is if the person was a genuine, like, big deal celebrity. And the calculation would be like, okay, I'll probably never have a chance to talk to this person again. You know, they have such a big platform that it's going to help the podcast. You know, there's real value in it for the show because they can help promote it and all that. And okay, if they just refuse a prep call, I'll I'll roll with that because their because their presence on the show would be so valuable. Yeah. I think that's the only situation where I could justify totally skipping that. Totally. Like, you know, Seth Godin said no, but had he said yes, I was like, yeah, sure, man. Show just up, talk on. to me about your purple cow. But but it's interesting. And this may be like Jedi level for you and I, and maybe no one will follow with us. But the idea of doesn't it kind of change the power dynamic? Like you said, like you're you're doing they're doing you a favor, but aren't you kind of doing them a favor too? And what I like about it is it's kind of a mutual favor. So when yes. one of these things tips that balance, now it's just like, oh, please, please come on my show. I want to get your name. And then they're never going to promote your show, but at least you'll have their name on your show. And it just, it gets kind of transactional and weird, mm-hmm. you know? Well, that is a good point. Um, and I agree with you. It's not just a one-way thing. Right? You don't have the, to technically. The, you disagree right. Well, well, uh, that's right. I completely disagree with you. Every word you said. No, I, I mean, I, I agree with you in that it's 
yes, they're doing you a favor. I, I, I'm not sure I would phrase it that like as the podcaster, you're doing them a favor. Exactly. I think that you're offering them an intriguing opportunity that there's value in the yes. offer that you're making. Yeah. Better said. I, I totally agree. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, um, well said. yeah. And, and you know, they're not, and, and anyone who accepts that they're not accepting it just like, Oh, I'll do you a favor. Like I'll throw you a bone. No, they're, they're accepting it only because they're, they're like, well, okay, actually this seems like there's something in it for me, something of actual value. I mean, right. everyone acts that everyone is self-interested in that way. And that's not a bad thing. That's just how, that's just human nature. That's just yeah. how people are. But I think that that's what can make podcasting such a valuable like business strategy, right? It's, I uh, had another guy, shout out to Mark Evans. If he happens to hear this episode, a guy, uh, guy I know from LinkedIn and I've had on the B2B content show, he had me on his show called Marketing Spark. And he had a great way of putting this, which is that podcasting is like digital catnip. You know, it's very hard to resist the allure of like, oh, you want to feature me on your podcast? Who doesn't, who isn't at least a, a little intrigued by that, you know, to be featured in, in some, uh, in some media. I mean, that's, it's attractive. It's, it's a, uh, it's like a compliment, you know? So it's just a really good way to get a yes from someone and to get some time with them and to get to know them a little bit. It doesn't always work. Like, you know, you said Seth Grodin uh, decline. And so sure, not everyone's going to say yes, but a lot of people will, especially people who are not famous, you know, and, and don't often get the opportunity to share their thoughts, you know, and speak their mind. You're going to get a lot of yeses. And if you're a B2B, and you can get yeses from people that you want to talk to that your organization needs to get to know. And that's a good thing. Yeah. That that's a very valuable thing. And so, um, but you, you mentioned power dynamic and that's an interesting idea. And I think an important one that I've thought about quite a bit. Hmm. And I think there is a balance of power between the host and the guest of a podcast that shifts over time. So I think, when you initially reach out to someone, especially to someone you don't know, asking them to be a guest in your podcast, the power rests mostly with the guest because they can say yes or no. Right. In fact, they have the full power to either agree, sure, I'll come on, or no, I will not come on your show. And that's, you know, that's fine. Once they agree, if they do agree, once they do that and they commit to, giving you their time, the power immediately shifts to the host because there is the guest is essentially putting their themselves in your hands hmm. and they are trusting you to lead them down the path to so that you are properly prepared to be a good guest, that when you show up, you are ready to talk and be interesting and engaging, and you're trusting them to not make you look stupid. You know, that's, that's everyone's fear, yeah. right? That's that at the end of the day, you're going to edit and cut this in a way that's not what they were expecting, you know, <laughs> and that can be damaging to their personal brand or, you know, yeah. whatever you want to call it. So they are trusting you. So now as the, as the host, you have quite a bit of power and, and with power comes responsibility <laughs> as Spider-Man, as we all yeah. know from the Spider-Man, you know, movies or comic books. And you have a responsibility to the guests to be professional and make them and have a real, a great conversation, create good content with them, 
Um, and to, you know, if you're gonna, if it, if you're gonna challenge them, like we were talking about before to do it in a professional and respectful way, all that stuff. So I think that that's how I see it. The power dynamic, it really shifts and, and it doesn't matter who the guest is. The guest might be a quote unquote powerful person, like a, you know, in their organization, they might be a CEO. Mm-hmm. They might be a, you know, a C-suite person. And I've talked to plenty of these types of people and I'm just a, you know, lowly podcast host, you know? Sure. Um, but once they've agreed to do it, they're in my hands and they, and they, and, and that's the vibe, you know, and they trust you. And so you have to be careful with that as the host. You can, you have to live up to it. Doesn't it kind but of seem you, like dancing to you? Like, cause I feel like once you're recording it's it's almost mutual, right? It's almost mutual, but I'm going to ask some questions. And if we finish a question, you're going to look at me and go, okay, what's the next one? You're yeah. pr- probably not going to be like, well, here's another question you haven't asked me yet that I'm just going to start answering. I mean, some people might do that, like you mentioned earlier, but right. typically it's like, I'm leading, but man, are we just, I don't know if you've ever, have you done like dancing lessons where yeah. they make you like sort of just, you know, I'm just going to move and you're moving with me and no one's really forcing anyone to do anything. I'm just right. saying, let's go this way now. And we're just going together, you know? Right. Well, absolutely. Right. And like, as someone who is not good at dancing, like <laughs> I'm, I'm athletic enough and like can play sports and that. But when it comes to dancing, I just can, I'm just super self-conscious. Whereas my wife is a good dancer. And the, the, the point is that it's like, yeah, when, when two people who are good dancers are dancing, you're like, wow, they just flow together. You know, it's like, it just seems so natural, but it's actually choreographed, right? And I think uh, a podcast interview is a little bit the same way that you're right, that like once you hit record, I think the power dynamic kind of levels out. You're both at the table, maybe the mm-hmm. virtual table, you know, like we're doing right now. Chit-chat. And then it's kind of a meeting of equals. You know, the guest has done their part. They've consented to be on this show. They've showed up. They did the prep call. You've done your part as the host that you've prepared and, 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 uh, you know, you've written your questions and maybe shared them and you're ready to go. And then once you hit record, yeah, let the games begin. And if everyone's done their job well, then it turns into a really good conversation and the time flies and a guest that might've been a bit nervous at the outset. And I've had plenty of those and they often will just admit it, be like, I'm a little nervous, you know? And I always tell them, that's fine. Totally natural, especially if you haven't done a lot, a lot of these types of interviews. But I can guarantee you, once I hit record and we just start talking, you'll forget that we're doing an interview. You'll forget there's a mic in front of you. You'll right. just talk because you'll we'll just get caught up in what we're talking about. And that's mm-hmm. true pretty much every time. Yeah, love that. Um, where can people reach out? I feel like I could talk to you all day. We'll probably have to schedule some more of these things so we can just spend an hour in power dynamic and all these other cool concepts. Um, where can people, they want to reach out on content, B2B content on podcasting and all the things, where do you want them to go? Yeah. So, uh, well, a couple of places. Um, I am on LinkedIn, of course. Where hey, can... LinkedIn. Tell me about this. What's this website? <laughs> oh, it's this new up and coming website. You should check it out. I think it might catch on. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Shear on LinkedIn, last name S-H-E-R-E. So you can find me there. I'm, I'm on it pretty much every day. Um, you can email me. I'm Jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N versa.com. Um, 
And if you go to, to our website, conversa.com, you can, uh, you know, find contact information there as well. So, um, yeah, always open for a conversation. Always, always happy to meet new people. So reach out. Love it. Love it. And apparently, uh, shout out to Mark Evans that you mentioned earlier. We're literally recording tomorrow on this show. So, we'll, Oh, no way. Uh, and I'll, So we'll give him a shout out and we'll tell him to listen to this episode. And I'm sure yeah. on, on his tomorrow that we'll. Okay. Well, yeah, time. please tell Mark I say hello. I will. I will. Small world, right? Really is. (laughs) Right. Um, Man. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on here. I, man, to be able to geek out with a fellow wizard like this for (laughs) for an hour on these concepts that are way above just hitting the button and hitting record and letting it ride. Like this has been so much fun. So thank you for coming on here. Well, thank you. This was a lot of fun. And I want to, and I want to say publicly on the show that I think you are an excellent host, a great (laughs) podcast host, because- We did the prep call and it was, and, and beyond just that, we had a substantive conversation and kind of prepared. We just got to know each other a bit and it was enjoyable. Yeah. And that's something it's, I don't know if, I don't know if you can learn that either you're good at a conversation and just being friendly and open with people or you're not, you know, <laughs> and you, you are really good at making, making the prep call and this experience doing the interview, like fun and engaging. And that's, you know, that's so important. It's really important for good content. So thank you. Oh man, I appreciate that. That That is really great to hear. Um, I just love doing it. So I'm glad that my skills have caught up to my passion <laughs> <laughs> and, and um, I'm learning something from the people I talk to. So very cool. And in in a fun segue to those listening, if you learned something and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back, (laughs) then share this episode with someone else. Uh, One person, nine people, 3,000 people. That's thought leadership, getting good information into other people's hands. Uh, And with that, man, thanks again, dude. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, everyone. This has been a crazy episode of Creating the Greatest Show. We will catch you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum.